conflict. It's a word that makes us shudder, even when it's said sometimes. Most people don't like it. Most Americans don't, I think. Other cultures, perhaps it's a little different, might be a little more normal. But it's an important thing, and it's a really could be a good thing, a Christian thing. So how perfect today that Jesus is very powerfully teaching us about it. From the first reading of Ezekiel to this Gospel of Matthew. That sometimes, as Christians, we have a duty to engage with conflict. Which I think is so important and a good reminder these last few months. And these approaching months where our nation is truly at a crossroads. But we know that telling the truth is not easy. It's absolutely tough at times. But we're called to do it nonetheless, but to do it through love and from love. Those in authority also have a high standard, a great responsibility to be witnesses to the truth. So woe to me or any other priest, church leader, or anyone for that matter, if I do not preach the truth, if we do not preach the truth and preach Jesus Christ alone. This weekend is a great reminder for us, number one, to pray for our leaders, especially in our church, that they preach the truth be beacons of the light of Christ, but also, too, to pray for ourselves, to pray for the gift of courage to stand up for what is right. We need leaders, good leaders, to call out injustices in the world, to identify fundamentally corrupt organizations and movements, like some of which we're seeing on our streets. What these movements they claim to be on their surface perhaps may seem just, but underneath uh, it appears to be a weak facade. And when you look through it, of course, granting that all life matters, no matter what, not saying that, what you find underneath that root are some grave immoral agendas, whether it's pro-abortion, LGBT-ridden principles, or simply a cancel culture that is seeking to dismantle uh, founding documents. These movements are an absolute mess of serious moral confusion. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm by no means judging the hearts and motives of those members, those individuals of said groups, merely the organizations in and of themselves. For Jesus and the desire for justice, equality, peace, goodness may certainly be in their hearts. But I'm telling you, the virtues that I just described in Jesus Christ are simply not at the center of these organizations, these movements. We need leaders unafraid to call out sin, especially sins, I think, against the family. Families that are so under attack, whether it's cohabitation, whether it's unchaste visual and physical addictions, divorce, contraceptive measures, the list goes on. Things perhaps we thought, you know, long ago were once so foreign, now seem to be commonplace, normal, even seen as eh, not that sinful, really. And I do a lot of marriage prep. We have a ton of marriages at this parish. It's a great gift. And I'm bold with my couples because I want them to have a beautiful, a fruitful, a full marriage with Jesus Christ and his church. But how damaging these things have been. Families have become broken, perpetuating the suffering. But then you look at the news today, right? Just turn on the news, you you read, you watch. You will be consumed with people calling one another out, protesting in the streets against injustices. And again, it's a good thing at times, the desire for justice. But courage seems readily available if these things we're protesting against fall against a certain subset of things, an umbrella, if you will. Whether it's lying, stealing, killing, the environment, racism, economic injustice. Now again, don't hear what I'm not saying. These things are absolutely important. 
and they should be fought for in a healthy way. Very important things. But what I think is most under attack right now in our Christian Catholic world is the family, all families. I believe that there's no new sin, that the, the sins Adam and Eve dealt with after the fall we're still dealing with today. They're just repurposed and uh, repackaged. But I think it's also true that every age deals with its own kind of particular sin or sins. Now you have to think, you know, it might be safe to condemn the mafia, you know, in public in Nebraska, but it would take real courage to do that, you know, in Sicily. Perhaps it's safer, at least a little easier in this time, uh, to condemn racism in contemporary America, but it wasn't in the Old South or in the 40s in, in Germany. Same way you could easily condemn sexual and immoral sin in and before you know, the 50s and 60s. But to do that now, my goodness, what courage that would take someone to do. You would feel like you're standing alone. Courage is a virtue, brothers and sisters. It's a virtue that we ought to pray for. It's a gift from God that ought and should be growing in our hearts as Christians, as followers of Christ. Because we could be numb. Let's face it, right? Myself included. Sometimes we even hear or think, oh, you know, I might disagree with this person, this movement, whatever. But in the end, they're just nice, aren't they? You know, they're, they're trying to do the good. Can't we just all tolerate one another and, you know, move on, try to find some common ground? Yeah, absolutely. Tolerance is a good thing. That should be practiced, especially in these months, always, to work together for, for what is right. But this word nice, oh, they're so nice, has always kind of bugged me. I use the word so much, I still do. But I think it, it could be a word used almost as a scapegoat, to push something off that's so important that needs to be engaged. The Latin root of nice is actually spineless. It was used in the 1600s, 1700s as another way of saying ignorance or foolishness. It doesn't really hold that same strength today, the full meaning, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think that there's a sentiment uh, that still persists. It also helps me make my point. Uh, that human beings, by our very nature, our very core, are not nice. Who we are are children of God. We are made in his image and likeness. We are good. That is who humans are. Good. However, the Lord gave us free will, right? We know that. Because he loved us. And he didn't want to force us to love him back, so he gave us the choice. So it would be perfect love. But that free will also allows us to choose between the good and not the good. Evil. Whether that's indirectly or, or directly. So brothers and sisters, let this rest upon your hearts today that we are created for greatness. We are created for love. We are created to be beacons of light and truth in an increasingly dark world. And it's important to remember and to preach as a beacon of hope that there is only one truth. There is only one fundamentally good and perfect movement in our world. And that's Jesus Christ. Period. That's it. Jesus Christ and his church. He tells us himself, I came to this earth to bring the sword. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters against me. Last week in our gospel, Jesus told his number one guy, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are thinking as humans do, not as God does. You are an obstacle to me. So this homily hasn't been enough conflict for you today. You know, I know it's still early. It's a little rainy outside. Take courage. The good news, right, it's our faith, is that the Lord loves each and every one of you, all his children on earth, no matter who or where they are in life, even if they haven't heard the name of Jesus before. The Eucharistic prayer today, one of the last prayers, 
after the consecration is a prayer to gather together all the scattered children throughout the world. That's our faith. But the reality is with that, that the Lord loves us so much, he desires to be loved back. And he desires for his children, all of them, to live in the full accord with his divine and natural plan. But the harsh reality is many do not. Not directly by coming to church and prayer and worship, their spiritual lives, or not in how they choose to live their lives in a sadly sinful way. So we are called as Christians by Jesus today in this gospel to bear witness, to help all of our brothers and sisters on this earth to, as Jesus says, go to them in love, to bear witness to the truth despite even fear, despite even the cost. So this weekend, brothers and sisters, I challenge myself and you as we approach this altar of sacrifice to ask Jesus for courage, number one, to ask him for courage to stand with him always, even in healthy and necessary conflict, especially when confronted with the sins of this age that aren't talked about. And two, let us pray for our families. They need all the prayers they can get. How beautiful we have so many here at our church, here at Mass today. Let us pray for them that they may raise a holy family. But let us also pray for those that are not here. We have a full, a vibrant school. Not a lot to come to Mass. And it's tough for me to say that. It breaks my heart as a spiritual father, a young spiritual father, albeit. But we pray for them, that they come to Jesus. Because the truth is, the Lord wants us all in heaven forever. But it's important to remember, it takes real courage to get everyone there. So let's pray for each other and correct each other.